0: The 153rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the
1: Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast.
0: We win 54-53, North
1: Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the
2: championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, no oh, way to it!
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today. And the last time you heard us, we broke down the front court. Today we're back to break down Carolina's backcourt that is going to be the heart and soul of their chances of getting back to the Final Four and winning the national championship. So we're going to go through all of that today. But before we do that, we start every edition as we always do with our pod thought of the day, what is brought which is brought to you by Giraffe Kings and Uh, Today we go to current women's soccer head coach Anson Dorrance, a guy who is a big part of the Carolina athletic fabric and family. Um, And Dean Smith one time squirted that Carolina was a women's soccer school, and that was a big part of the dynasty that Anson Dorrance uh, had built there in Chapel Hill. They've won over 20 national championships in women's collegiate soccer, and uh, Anson uh, one time was, was quoted As saying live on a path Of never ending ascension And this team ascended To heights last year that I don't think we Thought were possible after a Home loss to to Pittsburgh in the middle Of February but they proved Us wrong going on the Run of a lifetime starting with that Win over Duke in that season Finale all the way to the National title game but this year the hope Is to ascend to be from national runner-up to national champion, to cut down the net, to have that one shining moment on the Final Four stage at Houston, the first Monday night in April, and if Carolina is going to do that, it's going to be in large part because of because of Carolina's backcourt and the duo uh, of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. They are both back uh, after really taking that that step we wanted them to take uh, as sophomores. A year ago, and now the challenge for them is is to improve and become better players as juniors. And we'll talk about that. And you'll hear and you'll hear some audio from Brendan Marks about that a little bit later in the show. Additionally, like the front court, there is a little bit more depth now in the back court. Uh, Demarco Dunn, who started in place of R.J. Davis the other night in the exhibition, he returns. Uh, even though Carolina did lose Anthony Harris, who transferred out of the program during the offseason and then recruiting. Carolina brought in a dynamic combo guard Seth Trimble, a guy who has been raved about all summer long. You saw why a little bit on Friday night in the win over Johnson C Smith and then Tyler Nickel, another guy that his shooting has been raved about. We saw it on display as well in that scrimmage uh on Friday night as he hit it, as as he knocked in Two three pointers, and so last year Carolina basically played two guys in the backcourt. Once, once Anthony Harris was, you know, had had to take a leave of absence for academic issues. It was basically the Caleb Love and R.J. Davis show. Uh, Demarco Don just simply wasn't ready to be a big time player, and outside of that, there just simply wasn't another ball handler on the roster for Carolina. But that's not the case this year as. Uh, Anthony, you know, uh, Hubert Davis has talked a lot about you know, having a lot of depth in the backcourt, a desire to eventually play three-point guard simultaneously on the court, and while I don't think that's going to happen this year per se, you could look at this roster and say you could see him building towards that vision with a guy like DeMarco Dunn back for a sophomore year, you got a guy like Seth Trimble coming in as a freshman, you're starting to see that backcourt take shape under the vision of Hubert Davis.
1: Yeah, no, there I mean there's no denying it. You're seeing a group that has a ton of depth. Um and this is something that we haven't really seen in a while here. Um even as you know as recent as last year. Um you know, there was a time where you really were sort of uncertain about what was behind Caleb Love and RJ Davis because you know, Anthony Harris hadn't broken out yet. I mean, he did some good things last year, but then even he exits the lineup for you, and that's the reason why these dudes played as much as they did a year ago. But this year's group, you feel a little bit more confident in them. I got to tell you, I I was expecting him to take a step forward. I think DeMarco Dunn has looked really good in the preseason action that we've seen him, and, and this is the thing. I, I get it. It's only the preseason. We've seen him three times now. Saw him at late night. We saw him in the open scrimmage that they did um, when the students came back. And we saw saw him the other night in the exhibition. I I thought he looked good in all three games. I I think you see a guy that is much more confident, a guy that can push the ball up the floor, a very smart passer, and a guy that looks the part of the defender that, we thought he was capable of being. The effort is always going to be there, which is the main thing that you want. You know, and then Seth Trimble, man, the other night in the exhibition, he was outstanding. Um, Five of six, extremely efficient. And that's one of the things that when you talk about the two guys that are going to still control the majority of the minutes, the one flaw that these guys have is they're... They lack consistent efficiency. It's there at times, but there are definitely moments where you wish that they were just a little bit more efficient from the field. They take a a large volume of shots, but they're not knocking down over 50% or whatever. Man, if Seth Trimble can be that efficient guy off the bench at point guard and can be that guy that can attack the rack consistently over and over again something that you know at times with Caleb and RJ you know we've seen disappear um when it doesn't work early in games i feel like Trimble will be a little bit more aggressive with trying to get to the rim i mean you got to love what this backcourt has especially you know those those four guys that i talked about right there all four of those guys are guys that are more than capable of being primary ball handlers on this roster.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And so, uh, with that, you now know the guys that make up Carolina's backcourt. We're going to break down and, 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 answer some, and answer some tough questions about them. We'll do that next after this message right here from DraftKings. As if the
1: McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie Available at participating McDonald's for a limited
2: time.
0: NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off this season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings Up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA, whether it's the local Charlotte Hornets or my beloved New York Knicks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great evangelizers, of great offers. I've been giving you on the four corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. And so let's let's dive right into this backcourt. We know the guys that can make that make it up. Let now let's really talk about each guy in their own their own unique way. We'll start with Love and Davis because they are they they, they are the headliners. As I mentioned on the last edition of the of the show, they they too played the two most minutes. Uh, in a regular season, since Kenny Smith did, did did it in 1986, 1987, that's not a recipe for success. Especially because now you play about anywhere to six to eight games more than you played back then. Um, and so they were they were they were a big part of why Heber Davis on his team was tired. Uh, come the national, the national title game. I think the very first question I have to ask is, do them two combined as juniors make up? the best backcourt in the country because if you look at, you know, the field of 68 and other, you know, venues that cover college basketball and they rank backcourts, you generally see Caleb Love and R.J. Davis ranked among the best. You know, Kentucky has Wheeler back. Um, You you know, Arkansas is going to have some guys. uh, uh, Marcus Sassers back in Houston, but there's not the Batman and the Robin around the country like there is with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. Do you think they they make up the best backcourt duo in college basketball?
1: I mean, it's, it's hard not to think so, right? I mean, there's, they, they, they are extremely talented. They feed well off of each other, at least, you know, especially what we saw towards the end of the year. Um, I mean, you're right. Look, man, it's, it's going to be tough because there are some really good basketball or really good backcourts throughout all of college basketball. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, even just in the ACC, I mean, you're talking about Isaiah Wong and Markel Pack, who comes over from Kansas State, who is, or Nigel Pack, excuse me, uh, who comes over from Kansas State, who is extremely talented. Um, and I think that's, that's one that's probably up there as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would find it hard to really go any other direction on this, just because you look at what these two guys did when it mattered the most last year. They took over games in the NCAA tournament, which is what you have to do. You have to have guards that can take over games in the NCAA tournament or else you're not going to be able to make the run that you need to in modern day really in modern day basketball but even in modern day college basketball I mean look we we know what Armando Bakot did was special but if you don't have Caleb Love especially in you know the games against Duke, uh, and you know, earlier against UCLA, no way Carolina wins. You don't have the performance that you had from R.J. Davis in the game against Baylor. There's no way that Carolina gets all the way to the national championship. So, I, I, I would, to me, it's 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 hard to argue that there are a lot of really good backcourts in college basketball. But I think yes, you, you right now sitting here, these are the two best guards. You know the, the the best guard duo, I should say, in the country.
0: I, I'm right there with you, just simply because you look at what they what they both what they both can do individually. They both can take over games. You know, you you look at what they did in the tournament. Uh, Carolina doesn't get past Baylor without R.J. Davis. Carolina doesn't get past uh, UCLA without Caleb Love. And then collectively, the biggest reason for the turnaround last year was they figured out how to play with one another that was the biggest question entering the year in a new offensive system implemented implemented by Hubert Davis was how would them how would them two mesh and it was something where we had to we, we as much as we wanted Caleb Love to be the guy they played better at times with RJ Davis initiating the offense and then it was more of Caleb Love when it was you know time to take over the game being able to go get the ball and, and make the plays you got to make to win the type of games you want to win here at Carolina. So I would agree. You know, you, you look around the country, and you know, if, if Ty Ty Washington was was back at Kentucky, I'd maybe I'd maybe go. You, there's an argument there. If Marcus Sasser had a Batman, had a Robin to his Batman, I would make the argument there. You, you look at Arkansas; there there, there is a team as there is in the country but they, they haven't done it on the level that Caleb Love and R.J. Davis have. And so I would lean yes. Um, but the best part about it is both guys have areas in their game that they can improve. And we'll start with Caleb Love and Brendan Marks from The Athletic. He joined me a couple additions on the show a while back, and here's how he thinks Caleb Love can improve this season for Carolina. I
2: think for Caleb, first and foremost, um, you know, it's decision-making. And and that sort of radiates throughout his game. It, it's a ripple effect. You know, it's every single thing he does. It is decision-making in terms of, okay, well, when should I, you know, drive into two people and actually attempt a shot, a floater? When do I drive into two people and, and kick it out to an open teammate? Um, it's in terms of ball handling. It's in terms of knowing when he needs to pass and just get the ball out of his hands. Um, you know, I, I think defensively it's knowing when he can gamble. And, you know, he has great instincts in terms of cutting off passing lanes and getting steals. But he can't do that all the time because it creates offensive, you know, advantages for the other team. So, for for me, just all encompassing decision making for Caleb.
0: I think you saw it the other night, where he was being a lot more creative without scoring the ball, and, and you know, there were times last year where. His The best thing he did was score the ball. And there's nothing wrong with that when you put up the kind of performances he put up. You, you look at the shot he hit against Syracuse uh, in, in a game that we often gets forgotten about in Carolina's run. But he made every big shot in the second half he had to make. You look at the big shots against UCLA. Of course, the shot um, over Duke. But, you know. There, there, there needs to be more to his game, and I think you saw that the other night. Granted, in an exhibition against a lesser opponent, but he was looking to run the offense and create for others, and that's going to be a big part of of what this team's going to try to do because they are a different team. And you know, you you got a guy in Pete Nance who you've got to figure out how to get the ball to a lot differently than Brady because he's not just going to camp out behind the three point line and 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 chunk up three pointer after three-pointer and so I think it's something that he's talked about it a lot this year is being more creative we we finally got to see it on display you know the other night in an exhibition and it's something and you know if, if, if he can take his his game to that that type of level where he's still scoring the ball but then he's creating for others it's going to make the game a lot easier for his teammates
1: yeah, no, I, I think that's that. That's ultimately what you're looking for from a Tar Heel point guard, especially in year three. Um, that's that's always kind of been the natural progression um, with these guys. Is really once you get to that third year or so, that's when these guys start becoming the distributors of the ball that you need them to become. And, you know, for Caleb Love, look, I I think the mindset was, especially, you know, for him coming in after Cole Anthony, it was, it was look, man, we we need another five-star point guard to come in and replace a guy that was one and done. And he probably felt like, look, I've got to be the guy on this team. I have to be the offensive force that leads this team. Because even, I mean, even as recent as last year, you know, we were kind of uncertain about what exactly Armando Baycott was. Um, but I-, I think now, you know, look, you-, you know a lot more about the guys that are around you. So look, you don't have to be that guy that goes out and completely takes over games. If it's there, feel free to do it. And I think the best thing that happened to him. And it's, I mean, it should be no surprise that NCAA tournament, I think completely turned around the trajectory of his career because before then, especially when you go back to the middle of last season and even, you know, that, that where the team was struggling, our our most passionate podcast that we probably had of the year when they were struggling, which was the game against Pittsburgh up until that point, Man, there were a lot of moments with Caleb Love where you were kind of left scratching your head. You were left asking yourself, is he ever really gonna be the guy that we thought he could be at Carolina? You know, it's especially it was, was it the Notre Dame game where he admitted afterwards that he kind of took the first half off? He thought, you know, he thought he didn't have to play at full speed in the first half. I mean, that's you know, that that was those were the things that were driving us nuts. And all of a sudden, I, I really I think like most of most of the guys on the team, that Duke game I think really flipped everything for him. He realized, look, I've I've got to turn it on. I've got to be the guy if I want if, if we want to, you know, make sure that we're locked into the NCAA tournament, and if you know we want to be able to go on some type of run. And the the confident player that you saw at the end of last year, that's what. Is a diff is going to be the difference from last year to this year with him? Because I just from hearing you know when you were out there at ACC Media Days and some of the stuff that he said to our radio station that we work for, um, you know Sports Radio WFNZ in Charlotte. Man, he this dude looks motivated. He came back for one reason, and I I think if if he can become a more efficient player, great. But I, I think ultimately the thing for him is just becoming a better overall leader of the offense, and and and, and on the defensive side as well. But primarily offensively uh, for this team,
0: the good news for him is that not all of that responsibility falls on him because he does share responsibilities with with backcourt mate. Tough Little Nut, my probably current favorite player on the team, that being R.J. Davis.
1: That was that was given by you, by the way, the mantra of Tough Little Nut. That has not officially
0: been given out by Hubert Davis. Uh, and, and so here's what Brendan Marks had to say about how he thinks R.J. Davis can improve as he enters his junior season.
2: In the case of R.J. Davis, I think it's, you know, mostly defensively. You know, this is a guy who obviously has some physical limitations. Um, If he had Caleb Love's size, I'm not sure that he's still in school. You know, I think you could make a convincing argument that if R.J. Davis was in, you know, if you put that game in Caleb Love's body, you probably already have an NBA player. Mm. Um, But you don't. And so this is a guy who, you know, defensively, he's going to have to prove that, he can be pesky. He's going to have to get steals. He's going to have to play like a true point guard. He's going to have to hound opposing guys on the perimeter, Um, you know, and and towards the last part of the season last year, we saw him sort of emerge as more of a playmaking point guard rather than just a score first one. Um, My opinion is that he's the best three-point scorer on the roster, but, you know, when you're looking at his game, if he wants to be a point guard at the next level, he's going to have to be able to pass and, and have a lot of assists. So,
0: the thing that stood out to me more about that quote was that um, Brandon Marks believes that if R.J. Davis had Caleb Love's body, he wouldn't be in Chapel Hill anymore, that he would be in in the NBA because he is, in his opinion, the best three-point shooter on the roster. Um, and he has a nice mid-range game and can get to the rim. But kind of like with Caleb, but, to a even more degree, he really struggles as a passer and in and, and passing in and out of double teams, and that that's something that in the midst of you know the losing, we focus on the missed shots in the midst of the winning, you don't really analyze the game to that type of degree, but he's right, and you know his freshman year he struggled, but he was a freshman, like wit was normal struggles add in a global pandemic, it was really hard to expect anything major out of out of out of those types of kids. But those issues really did carry over last year and for one reason or another, it got overlooked because we were so focused on the negatives when they were losing or the positives when they were winning. And that is something where he does have to he does have to get a lot better at. And I think a lot of the reason why he struggled isn't because he wants to doesn't want to get better at that. I think it comes from he tries too hard to fix the mistakes cuz he plays so hard. Mm-hmm. And he and he, he he whenever he 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 tries too much to overcorrect a mistake as a, as opposed to making, you know, just a simple adjustment he has to make. And this is something he talked about at ACC Media Days. And so I think the best part about him and Caleb is that they're aware that there's room for them to grow. And, you know, we often talk about that you see the most growth from a player from their freshman to sophomore season. That's very true. You saw it last year with both of these guys. But there's also still room for them to grow, and they're aware of that. And I think that's what makes them special and why Huber Davis loves them is because as competitive as they are, as driven as they are, they're both coachable in the areas they need to grow their game. And when you have a guy like Pat Sullivan on your roster who spent the previous 18 years in the NBA, R.J. Davis has NBA aspirations. The passing in the NBA is at an all-time best with guards right now. He's got to improve that area of his game, and he's aware of that. And like with Caleb, if he takes that level of his game to a, to a different one, it's going to make the game easier for himself and his teammates.
1: Yeah, and and look, I think both guys are – very smart as well, and they know the areas that they have to improve. They're not guys that are going to have to be told over and over again, hey, this is the area you need to be focusing on. I think they know the areas that they've got to improve. I think the the thing that I want to see more from him at times is look, when there are, there are moments that we've seen from him in games where he puts together a stretch and looks like he has the ability to take over a game, but he kind of gets out of the way and lets other guys sort of take sort of do their thing. I want to see him be a little more aggressive sometimes. Hey, man, it, look, you've got the talent. There's no doubt about it. You play with the intensity that we absolutely love. I want to see him be that guy that at times just says, Hey, I'm going to take this game over, and I want to see it a little more often. The good news is, is that you don't really have to do that with this team all all that often because there's so many other guys that have that ability. But I just th- that was the one thing that that's the thing that shocked me about him because I do think, and we've said this since his freshman year, there is Joel, there is a lot of Joel Berry in his game, and that was when Joel was at his best, his final season in Chapel Hill was when he would put the ball in his hands and take over the game. I, I get it, man. Armando's a dominant player. There's no doubt about that. That doesn't mean you don't get Armando involved. But I think when he is getting downhill and getting to the basket, that's when he's at his best. I know – I and Brandon Marks, I think he's right, although <laughs> don't sleep on our guy Tyler Nickel here as potentially the best three-point shooter on this basketball team. But when it comes to the other guys, yes, I agree that R.J. Davis is the best shooter of the three ball uh, out there. So I, I think he that's the thing. He's got such a complete game. There's so many things to like about his game. There's so many things to like about the way that he plays the game. For him, it's just a matter of consistency. You want to see more balance from night to night on the statue because there were times where He would kind of go off. Just look at the NCAA tournament. Huge game against Baylor. Was tremendous. But we didn't really see him all that much over the next couple of games, you know, in in, in the Sweet 16 and in the Elite Eight. You didn't really see him all that much. So I I want to see him be that guy that is more of a consistent presence throughout the game because I think he, he deserves the credit that a lot of people are trying to give him. If he can become that consistent player, then that, he will be an All-ACC player. A lot of people question me why I didn't have him on my All-ACC preseason ballot. Well, that's the reason why, because it's just he hasn't been as consistent as some
0: of the other guys. And you're also not a part of the R.J. Davis fan club. And look, it's an exclusive club, and you won't be receiving an invitation anytime well, no, hey. soon because I'm the leader of the club, and, and, and so I make those oh, type of— uh, oh. I make those type of decisions. Let's what talk a poorly about poorly run club. Then let's talk about a guy that you mentioned has looked a lot better this this preseason as opposed to what we saw on the court last year, and that was Demarco Dunn. And I couldn't dis or I couldn't agree more because I thought I went back, I watched the scrimmage live, went back and then rewatched it, and uh, I was right there with you. I thought he looked comfortable on the court. I thought he looked like he belonged. On the court, and he's the guy that's going from his freshman to sophomore year. We just talked about how that's usually where you see the most growth. And so what step does 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 this year look like for him, even though he's a bench player? And I think it's very simple. I think it's, it's not him being the sixth man. I think it's him being the guy that Hubert Davis entrusts to run the second unit. And and but also be a guy that he trusts to give Caleb Love a breather. Give RJ Davis a breather and put on the court and and, and play in with, with, with the starters. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's something that last year he simply couldn't be trusted. There was times where Hubert Davis gave him that opportunity and he wasn't ready for it. We knew his body needed a lot of work. His body looks a lot more refined this year. He looks bigger, he looks stronger, he looks faster. But more importantly, he looks more confident. He looks more comfortable on the court. And if he can be that type of guy for this team, it's going to be invaluable. Because you look at what, what really killed Carolina in the second half in the national title game, it wasn't Kansas's starting five. It was their seventh, eighth guy, mainly in the backcourt, yep. that Carolina didn't have an answer for. Because, well, our guys, our guys were tired. Kansas's guys weren't. And and you couldn't you you weren't putting DeMarco Dunn in that situation. But if he can be that guy this year where, you know, if 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 one of them get into foul trouble and he could go in there and he can give them a, a a chance to sit on the on the bench for a four minute spot, mm-hmm. it's going to be huge for this team. And and I think it's it's something that, you know, when you look at Carolina, whenever they have good backup point guard play, they they usually win a national championship. They did it, you know, in 09 because you had Bobby Frazier. You had at the time a guy we were really confident in moving forward, Larry Drew the second. And then in 2017, you had Nate Britt and even Seventh Woods. And so there there's usually a formula that follows. If Carolina has a guy that come off the bench and, and play with the starters and, and be the, the 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 leader of that second unit, it adds depth to Carolina and it makes that backcourt all the more lethal.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And I think with him, you know, even more so than some of the other guys, there's there's just so much flexibility for him. He can play either of the two guard spots because he's got, I mean, and, and he's got plenty of length on him too. Um, so, I, I mean, you're talking about a guy that is just – it. There, there's so many different ways that you can use him. But, yeah, you're right, man. He has taken a huge step this offseason, and that's massive – for Carolina, because this was the group I said when we previewed the front court, we and I, it's still tough to say no, but we feel really, really confident in Dontre Styles and Puff Johnson. We feel like, okay, those guys, they're pretty much known quantities at this point. We know they're going to be able to contribute in the front court who is that backup guy that we had in the backcourt? We don't have that guy. There's nobody that you looked at back there and said, we know that that guy is going to be a part of the rotation. We think that DeMarco Dunn is going to be a part of the rotation. We think that Seth Trimble is going to be a part of the rotation. We think that there's a possibility Tyler Nickel could be a part of it. But DeMarco Dunn this preseason has pretty much secured that spot. Um, I said it earlier, I thought all three times that we saw him in the preseason, he was tremendous. And by all indications, that's that's pretty much been the case throughout camp as well. This dude has really worked on his game. He's taken things to the next level. And, yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel pretty confident that he can be in the range of, I don't know about Bobby. Bobby Frazier, man, is truly one of those guys that, you wonder how good could he have been if, if Ty Lawson isn't there, like Bobby Frazier, people forget, but he, he started as a freshman. Like he was, he was a legitimately good player. Um, not that Nate Britt wasn't or seventh woods, but Bobby Frazier, I think was a step ahead of those guys. But I think that DeMarco Dunn can fit into that. Nate Britt seventh woods, definitely the seventh woods category. Um, and I, the thing that I I like the most about him, I said it last year in 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 when, when we did see him. He uh, that's actually Demarco done emailing in right now. He appreciates uh, all the support that we've been giving him. Um, he I, I think defensively is, I mean, he's probably got the most. Does he have the most defensive upside of anybody on this team? Because you got I, I know you got Leaky, who is a known quantity defensively, but I feel like what we've seen from DeMarco Dunn at times, man, this dude can be a pretty strong defender in your backcourt. So yeah, I would I I feel pretty confident in, in, in him this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would probably lean I would probably lean Seth Trimble with the more defensive upside. Really? Yeah, you know, because the way he plays, he's so aggressive and that, that that dude's ability to pressure the ball. I mean so is DeMarco though. He's he's shown a lot of aggression too, though. Um I, I, I think it's just better that we actually that's actually an argument and a discussion. Um we may have to consider having them suit up at safety uh for the Tar Heels on the football field because they need all the help they can get defensively. Let's move on to can Seth Tremble. Can, can he really do that? I mean, he, tell me, but, please. Look, look I, I, I was, check, the, check the email. I, was, the, a, email. I maybe was a two-sport athlete, so maybe he could take a page okay, from me. Not,
1: do not take any page from the book of Marlowe. The book of Marlowe needs to be put in a very secret location
0: away from human life. Let's move on to Seth Trimble, a guy who is garnering a bunch of hype, a lot of attention. And Brendan Marks explained to us why that is as we as he gets ready for his freshman season in Chapel Hill.
2: You know he comes in as North Carolina's highest rated recruit, and you know not that recruitings are uh, or not that recruiting rankings, excuse me, are, are biblical in any way. <laughs> They're not set in stone. Um, but there's a reason that he was held in that high esteem coming out of high school. You know this is a guy who has the same hops and the same bounce and the same athleticism as his older brother JP Tokado, who started at Carolina um you know defensively i think he's probably the furthest along of any of the freshmen. and as hubert davis clearly proved with his rotation last year if you're not gonna play defense you're not gonna play and and seth will play defense um and then offensively you know caleb and rj cannot play as many minutes as they did last season you know they played the second and third most minutes in a season ever in north carolina history behind kenny the jet smith um they they don't need to do that again. They're not going to be at their best if he, if Huber Davis has to play them that much again. So Seth can be a guy who I think alleviates some of the pressure from them, takes some time from them, lets them get a breather on the bench. Um, he can initiate offense. You know he's explosive going to the rim.
0: It's safe to say we are we are all excited about what this kid is going to do this year and and and, and into the future because he is he's the first prototype of what. Hubert Davis wants in his backcourt. That's that that's the mold of the type of guy he's looking for: a super athletic guy, a guy that can play on the ball, a guy that can play off the ball, is a menace defensively. His shot needs work, but you know, you know Hubert Davis is his head coach. You got an NBA guy and Pat Sullivan on the roster. <gasps> They're going to be able to develop him and get him where he needs to be needs to get from a shooting standpoint. But I. I'm really excited to see what this kid this kid has to offer. I think it, it, it benefits him that he's in a role where he's coming off the bench, where he's not going to be asked to do a lot of big things. He's going to be asked to just do the little things. And, and, and I, I really think you know, he's going to lay the foundation for if Love and Davis go, that when he's ready to take over as a sophomore, where he's supposed to make that biggest jump as a player – He's gonna do so and make the and make the transition seamless. I I I really I really am excited to see what him and, and even Tyler Nickel can do because I think they're they're gonna be they're the future of this backcourt for Carolina.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, from a from a scoring standpoint, from a highlight standpoint, where you've got the 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 flasher that is Seth Trimble, you've got the splasher that is Tyler Nickel. They're they're both gonna be a lot of fun to watch, and, and Trimble's gonna be. I think he's the guy that's poised to have a bigger role this season than Tyler Nickel, and could have a, a a part of Carolina's run to a national championship if the basketball gods do allow. So we so we got we got four true freshmen that are on the roster. Three. Right?
1: Well, th- uh, yeah, that's right. Do yeah, because they're classifying Will Shaver as a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman because he was uh, a yeah. yeah,
0: redshirt. Yeah. yeah. He reclassified and redshirted last year. Yes. Yeah.
1: But. So, which which one
0: of those, even if you throw
1: Shaver in there, which one of those from this class did we do a whole podcast on?
0: Uh, I think it was Tremble. Is that Tremble?
1: There's a reason why. He is, I mean, it's, it's hard because we, we've had a lot of exciting point guards that have come through. But I think when you combine the fact that you feel like he's a multi-year guy, He's probably the guy that we're most excited about at the point guard spot,
0: probably since Kobe White, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, because Cole Anthony was, we knew what we were getting. Knew he was a one and done. Knew he was a one and done. And let's just be brutally honest, as a he's a heck of a player. Was he exciting? Was he flashy? He was an NBA, he was a guy was, that should have gone straight to the was, NBA. He was an NBA ready point guard. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, like, look, we had moments where his, his opener against Notre Dame where he scored so many straight points, that was exciting. His game itself, though, wasn't. Nothing wrong with that. Like, my game wasn't exciting either, but it got the job done. Said Trimble's game is exciting, and it's going to get the job done, and he's going to be the guy that makes you stand up and and, and scream at 11 o'clock at night. He's going to have Dick Vitale calling him a high riser, a peer and so I mean that's why, and, and you know I think the best part about it is that he he's embracing this. He he's not he's not he's not turning away, and it's and it's the spotlight isn't too big because the role is just the right size. Yeah, it, it's not it's not a it's not an inflated role where you're having to replace, you know, Caleb Love, and the and the goal is still win a national championship.
1: Right, and to be fair, I think that's been the issue, and that's been why it hasn't been as fun with. Cole Anthony, and with, to a certain extent, I mean, look, last year's run in the NCAA tournament and, of course, the game against Duke in the Final Four was extremely exciting with Caleb Love, but with Seth Trimble, man, it's just different because he's coming in, you know that he's going to have a chance to grow with this team, and that's the thing. We love getting attached to these guys that are here for multiple years, and with this dude, I mean, we, we have seen how good of a scorer this guy can really be. Um, you love the aggressive nature that he has going to the basket. I mean, you just said it right there. Just a minute ago when we were talking about who has the, be- the best defensive upside on this team, you said it was Seth Trimble because of the way that he plays. This dude is going to be a fan favorite for Tar Heel fans. And I think that's kind of what Carolina needs. And look, you talk about guys that could be Nate Britt, Seventh Woods in the backcourt. Man, I know he's not a veteran, but this dude, this dude is uber talented. And again, if 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 he had been able to go through a normal time in high school because he was, you know, still kind of late COVID, his senior year, junior year was in the midst of COVID. This guy would have been a five-star player. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he really is that good. And so, I think the question with him is not if, but when. And if it can, if if he can break out this season, I'm going to tell you he he will have a heck of a chance to become that first guy off the bench for Carolina. I think that is more than possible because, as you said, this is Hubert Davis's first point guard recruit. This guy fits what Hubert Davis wants to do. I think the sky is the limit for him, and that's the dude we're probably most excited about. But, I mean, to be fair to Tyler Nichol, I think with him, the thing that's really interesting is, look, we knew coming in, guy's a shooter. Guy has some length on him. I don't know, did we really, before they started practice or even camp, did we really look at him as a guy that
0: was going to contribute to this team? I think we thought... You shoot the ball the way he does, it's really hard to leave that 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 skill set on the bench.
1: Right, okay. I think that we thought there was a chance that he could be a contributor. Is it safe to say now, from from, from my perspective at least, I would be shocked if he is not a contributor? Like, I think now... Oh
0: yeah, I'd be really... He is real. He has I mean, unless a he, ton. unless he's that much of a defensive liability, to where you can't, like, uh, uh, basically, if he's what Kerwin Walton was as a freshman, but Kerwin Walton was the only three point shooter we had. Yeah, so you had to you you had to live and die with his defensive woes because he was the only guy that year putting the ball in the basket. So yeah, I would be really surprised if he does not. Have a role of some degree, which leads us to the ultimate question, and it's will this team go as far as the backcourt takes them? And I think it's really like you know we talk about the grand scheme of things. It's a team game. You got to play with five men as as one. And one heartbeat, the answer is yes. Because the answer is go look at the second half. Kansas's backcourt took them to a national titles. Carolina's didn't. Like you you you, you look at teams that have great backcourts. You look at Baylor two years ago. Uh, that 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 but that that backcourt was was dominant, dominant. You look at when when Vir, when uh, Virginia won it, their backcourt was was really really good. You look at with uh, Cole Anthony's freshman year, the the, the backcourts that year that made the Final Four. Guess what? They were really really good. Like you you can build your team to be built with the frontcourt. Kentucky tried to win a national title in the frontcourt. And they lost to Wisconsin in the 15 Final Four. Who also had a great front court. Their back court outplayed them. And so that that's the thing is that the game is played now. It is decided by guards. Mm-hmm. It's the way that this way that basketball is being played now. It's the way that you know we the rules are are are, are constructed is for the guards to make the plays. And Definitely. so yes, this team is gonna go as far. Last year it was just Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. But this year, you've got Caleb Love, you've got R.J. Davis, you're more confident in DeMarco Dunn, and we feel like Seth Trimble and Tyler Nichol are going to have their roles on this team. They This team is going to go as far as that, that group, not that duo, that group takes them. Well,
1: and look at the other teams that were that have dominant big men in college basketball this year and last year. Kentucky, Oscar Sheebway, the guy that I think is probably the biggest contender to national player of the year for – Armando Baycott. What was one of their biggest issues in their tournament game against St. Peter's? Backcourt play. Gonzaga, great front court. Drew Timmy, one of the better players in the country. I can't believe he's actually back. The human Pringle, as I say. He looks like the Pringles man with his mustache. All right. Um, but what what let them down in the tournament? Their backcourt. So yes, it's it's very it it is so true that at this point. If you don't have guys that can shoot it at a high rate, it's just you're not gonna you're not gonna win. And I thought that was the one of the biggest issues for Carolina in the second half against Kansas. They ran out of steam. Mm-hmm. They weren't making the shots that they had to hit down the stretch of that game, something that they had done so often over and over again throughout that NCAA tournament run. I think this year, with the depth back there. That is going to help keep these guys fresher throughout the season. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it, this, this this backcourt is going to take them as far as they need to go. But it is important that you do not lean on that backcourt as heavily as you did. Really, I'm saying the starters as heavily as you did at times last year. Because you don't want them to be dead tired. Look... Is there a chance they could still get it done? Oh, hell yeah, there is. Because they're as we mentioned, that's the best backcourt duo in the country in our minds. But in order for, for you to have the best opportunity to set yourself up with the best chance to win the national title this year, you need to have your depth step up. And I, I, if you would have asked me this question a month, month and a half ago, I would have told you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the backcourt depth? I probably would have told you about a 4. If you asked me today where my confidence is at with the backcourt depth, I would probably say about a 7 because I really, really like. I think the two guys that have had the best camps into preseason practices of the of the season so far are DeMarco Dunn and Tyler Nickel. Those are the guys that have grown the most to me on this entire roster here in the preseason. So I feel like this. there's reasons to be confident in this Tar backcourt.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely, and we're ready to see it all come together. That'll start on Monday night at 9 p.m. in the Smith Center against UNC Wilmington. And with that, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But we do encourage you to head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Uh, go back, get all your fix from Carolina's big win over Pittsburgh. And then this weekend, we'll be getting you ready for the South's oldest rivalry as Carolina looks to get their first win uh, in Charlottesville under Mac Brown ever. And and it's, it's, it's a big one for the Tar Heels as they continue their march to the ACC title game. As for the basketball side of things, Anthony or Ashton is continuing his core four bios of the core four coming back to help lead Carolina back to the Final Four and the National Championship, and we'll be getting you ready as well for the upcoming basketball season. Find all that great football and basketball content dot HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up you can rate and review the podcast right there. But most importantly, we encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. Busy week on the pod. We had front court preview today's back court preview. Josh Graham's going to stop by. Former Tar Heel Marcus Ginyard's going to stop by. John Christman from ESPN, he's going to stop by. We're going to have the U N C W uh, preview. Make sure you don't miss all of those editions and more. Hit that subscribe button. That way, you get every edition right there in your podcast feed. Well, with that, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do encourage Anthony for, or do, I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. Wow. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go our Heels.
2: Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.